Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN Radio, here is Mike Wells. Mike, go ahead. Oh, like me. You can understand someone who could treat you right. Yes. Like me, girl. You know that? Don't you know that? That's that's you and, and Tres Van. Hey, where does Tres Van rank if we're we're ranking all the uh close twos or former new additioners? Um man, I think I are we including Johnny Gill in the mix? Yeah, oh well, yeah. I mean, everybody. Who like? Give me one through three. Give me the top three that I ever had affiliation with, with New Edition. I, we, all right, well, I'm going based off singing. It, it, it's no question. It's Johnny, Bobby, yeah. and uh, Ralph. And I think, I, in all honesty, depending on the type of music you want, you can flip a coin on which one you're taking. I'm telling you this. I think Johnny Gill, obviously singing wise, is the best of it. But Ricky Bell's right there. Ricky Bell never gets credit. You put, you put, Everybody always says, oh, there's Michael Bivens yelling and screaming, and there's big Ron DeVoe looking real cool, and then Ricky, Ricky Bell never gets any love. Why? Well, you, man, I'm not, I was not a gigantic, I was not a gigantic, gigantic Ricky fan. Mm. As, far, as far as singing goes, I'm not sure I can put him in the mix, brother. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not putting him, I'm not putting him with those three. I will put him number four on the list. And then I'm going um, Ronnie DeVoe. And then we, we've talked in the past, our man Michael Bivens, he didn't sing. He just hyped everybody up. Yeah. Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, if I like the girl, who cares who you like? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that is my, that is my second order. Now, okay, here's my question for you. If yeah. You are, uh, if you got the baby music going, which one of those three are you going? You going Johnny, Ralph, or Bobby? Uh, you probably got you got to go Johnny on that, but the uh, when you're considering mixing <clears throat> the batter, that would have to be <laughs> Luther Vandross. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. hey, Luther yeah. Vandross or Teddy Pendergrass. That's what you need. That's in the recipe in the batter mix right there. Both well, of those. Hey, hey, Teddy Pendergrass. He's he's yelling at you to turn the lights off. He's oh my goodness. He, he's, he's screaming at you to turn the lights off when Teddy's talking. And so bold to say, let's just take a shower together. That's so bold. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that is uh, – that, that's one thing. That's why we're albino brothers, man, because we have the same taste and likes when it comes to we our do. music, man. We do. You, you think – and I know that you're biased on this. You think anybody as cool as me – has ever been produced and come out of Greene County? Because I don't think so. No, would you I, agree? I, I would agree, and I'm saying yeah. that now, especially since I've been spending a lot of time down there in Bloomington and commuting and seeing um, how people roll. They can't nobody touch you on. They can't nobody touch you in Greene County. 
Well, I mean, even in Bloomington, they would struggle, too. And even with IU and Monroe County and Bloomington North and Bloomington South and Edgewood and all that crap, right? Can you believe that I went through basically my high school years and the chicks did not want to be around me? I mean, why, can you believe that? Somebody that? as cool as me. No, I mean, and basically they ran off. They ran to other people. I was like, I was like in the middle. I was the, can you give this love note to your friend that I really like? I was the friend. Oh, you, uh, you, I had no you, chance. You were, you were the good guy. Was it because you had a, mel- a mullet and you were wearing jorts or something back in the day? Uh, well, I mean, I'm rocking. I was rocking the, the LaCosta, the alligator, and the polo, yeah. and <laughs> occasionally the suspenders. I had my hair spiked up, and none of that did any. And I, hey, listen, I even popped an earring in in 1987, and that's when it was badass, right? I mean, now it's nothing. Oh, yeah. Now you come out of the womb wearing an earring. Back then, people go, hey, wait a minute. What the hell's going on? My man's got an earring. Who do you think you are, Isaac Hayes? And I said, yeah, I do. I'm badass like Isaac Hayes. That's who I think I am right now. I, <laughs> it was a hoop earring, a gold hoop earring. You talk about somebody who's getting ready to whip some ass, and that was me. And I, could not, I couldn't land anything. I couldn't bring home anything back in the day. What was the problem? Uh-oh. It couldn't have been me. It had to be them. No, yeah, hey, hey, listen, brother. It was never our fault back in the day when we when we <laughs> the It was it was never our fault back in the day. It was always somebody else's fault. Hey, where are you broadcasting from today? Whiskey business, the home of incredible food, plate loads of food, ice cold Bud Light, and we're going to give people an opportunity to go see the debut of one Sam Ellinger on Sunday afternoon at Lucas Oil Stadium. You can't beat that, can you? Hey, am I supposed to lie and fake it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. Probably have to sell yeah. it a little bit more than that. Yeah, you probably will. And listen, I, I, we're both on the same page with this. And I was going to ask you this. I actually teased this up before you came on, Mike. It, it, the, the Colts were selling this thing, and the fans are kind of eating it up right now. Do you think that they, they firmly believe in Ellinger? as much as they lead on here? Or would you have viewed this maneuver after seven weeks of an NFL season with the expectations and all that you went through to bring Matt Ryan here, would you view this as a a punting of the season by the Colts? Because people aren't, right? People are excited, and they're probably lucky because probably 31 other NFL cities would view this as punting the season. Um, I find it pretty funny, quite honestly. And, you know, Sam's got... Sam's had a heck of a story for, you know, obviously what happened in Texas, you know, the unfortunate death of his brother and stuff, um, you know, last year. But the reality is I find it comical. I mean, I don't cover the Colts anymore. And I heard from some Colts, I mean, excuse me, some NFL people um, saying, what in the world's going on? Uh, you know, the common question is, boy, you should be happy. You're not covering them anymore. Sam Ellinger? Question mark. Those are the type of text messages that I've gotten this week. And I don't even cover the team. Um, I, it, for the fact that basically Jim Irsay stepped in, I, I, I don't care what anybody says, it's clear that Irsay stepped in and, and you know took control of the situation and said, "Hey, we're you know we're going to play, we're going to bench Matt and go with Sam." It, I, it's one of those situations where the Colts are in a no lose situation, in my opinion. Yes, they're putting the season away, but they could spend the next ten games, God, ten games with Sam Ellinger to say, "Okay, this kid has enough to maybe start next season," or the state, they continue, you know, they, they just go downhill and stink, and then they finally get a high draft pick to select the quarterback next year. That's the scenario I'm looking at as far as this whole benching of Matt Ryan with a 
three and three three and one still playing. I know winning the AFC South. I said yeah. last week I said they're going to win a division, but once again, uh, Mike Rabel said, "Hey, I'm you guys' daddies in Indianapolis, and I own you still." It's basically taken away. In fact, they they have a five hundred record, and you're planning a way to see them already. Yeah, I, to me, you go back to that game in Nashville, and it, it the Titans are, are not the more talented team. And in fact, I would question just how talented the Titans are. But what They're I would not, not question, I would not question how tough they are. You know, the, the amount of grit, because that's a word that all these coaches want to use now, grit this and grit that. And then the, 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 the coaching far outweighs the level of coaching here with the Colts. It's not even funny. And that is going to be enough in this division to get over if you're the Titans. And we've seen that twice this year. I mean, and, and you know, honestly, reality, I think we've, we've seen it in, in the past, too. I don't look at it as the Titans from a talent standpoint. Them being, having more talent on the roster, they are more fundamentally sound. They have, they have blue-collar guys who just want to punch you in the mouth. I think the Colts have more finesse guys. But it starts with Mike Vrabel, and they, the, the Titans players have the DNA of Mike Vrabel. That's what they have. They're never going to be pretty. But they are going to be more physical. They're going to be smarter than you. And that's why they continue to own the Indianapolis Colts. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio talking Colts. Commanders coming up on Sunday. We're at Whiskey Business giving away tickets. Four pair for that game we'll give away before the end of this show. Pendleton Pike and Lawrence with Bud Light on a Blue Friday on this Friday. When, when you look at last year, there was a mandate from Jim Irsay. Carson Wentz can't play here anymore. Got to get somebody else. Uh, this past week, clearly, there was heavy influence on Jim Irsay to move away from Matt Ryan, injury or not, and to start Sam Ellinger. Uh, it, to me, it's not good that he intervenes, that he's getting into the mix here, decision-making-wise. Would you agree? It, it's not good because it's not good because it, it's writing on the wall, in my opinion, especially, especially for Frank Wright. Because you've cut, you've been around this team a lot longer than I have, and even during my nine years of, uh, of covering them, um, outside of when he had to intervene with Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson and stuff, Jim Irsay, while he voices his thoughts a lot, never steps in. He you know he he's one of those more hands off owners, but he he said I'm putting my hands, my funky feet, I'm putting my entire body over this situation of a season of high expectations that went down the tank. It, he just told Ian Rappaport last week or over the weekend that Matt Ryan, from a leadership standpoint, reminding him of Peyton Manning. Two days later, yeah. Matt Ryan is on the bench. So, yes, so I think the fact that they lost to the Titans once again said, okay, that, side, that signaled the end of complete control that Frank Wright was going to have from a head coach's standpoint. Hey, Mike, I told Kevin Bowen this earlier this week. I think it's good fortune that this is not this quarterback change, a public relations nightmare because you're three, three and one and everybody around here is eating it up. Everybody's around here saying, I want to see Sam Ellinger. I can't wait to see Sam Ellinger. You have really no trace on how you believe he's going to play. Everybody just wanted to see him. And as I mentioned, in 31 other cities, people would be saying, oh, look at this team at 3-3-1 before Halloween, deciding to go ahead and do this. They're just punting the season. So there's good fortune here because they know that the fan base, the fan base is eating up this move right now. Well, so here's my question, John. 
And you, you, you've obviously been talking about this all week and had callers chime in. You, you, you know, you've had a lot of people in your mentions on Twitter. Why is the fan base eating this up? What, what has been their argument on saying, okay, we are, we are excited to see Sam Ellinger as a starting quarterback at 425 on Sunday? They view Matt Ryan as the centerpiece of the problem. And I'm not suggesting he wasn't because you can't turn the ball over as much as he did and, and expect not to be the quarterback anyway. So you're going to get basically all, all that criticism. But I, I don't think entirely they see the scope of the issue. And, and the scope of the issue has been the offense. The scope of the issue has been the quarterback, has been the offensive line. And as I mentioned, the scope of the issue, that falls on the shoulders of Chris Ballard. That's not really where a lot of folks are, are willing at this point in time to go. But if you're going to lay blame in this case, and you're going to have somebody lay claim to that particular amount of blame, it should be the general manager here. And, and to me, this could be, if, if they strike magic and there's a Disney movie going to be made out of this, because Ellinger is exactly what they have been telling people, that is great, and that may save some gigs here. Otherwise, whether you're talking about Frank or Chris Ballard, to me, they both should be in a similar boat at this time because they have both been completely at fault as to why this team has floundered away at 3-3-1 and and disappointed for the most part so far this year. And, you know, what Ballard should be embarrassed about is the fact that they put so much money into the offensive line. Yes, Anthony Costanzo retired, you know, you know, more than a season ago. Yes, Mark Bowinski left in free agency, but you still gave Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith huge lucrative contracts. You think that you can have three pro ball players and be able to plug in the other two pieces? Yes, left tackle is the hardest position to protect, the blockhead when you have a right-handed quarterback. That is a given. That is Ballard's fault for thinking you can just plug a guy in. And, and handle that situation there, and, and sign Eric Fisher, who's coming off a torn, a torn Achilles. That stuff doesn't, that stuff doesn't work out, and the Colts are paying the price for it. And then my question is, you go out and give Nick Falls, you know, it's not a whole lot of money, but they give him a nice little money, like nice bit of money to put him on the uh, inactive list up until this weekend when he'll be the backup quarterback. There's just been so many blunders and fumbles. They didn't even go 99 yards to fumble at the one-yard line. The Colts have been fumbling the ball at their own one-yard line when it comes to addressing the roster. And that's, yeah, and you're 100% correct. Ballard deserves a lot, a lot of blame. Frank Wright, from a head coaching standpoint, it's been disappointing. But the way this roster has been constructed, thinking you can just plug in a guy and get going at key pieces and make it work, clearly that is not the case. Well, and this team offensively was only going to be as good as the offensive line. And that was the expectation. You're going to bring in a 37-year-old guy, and he was going to lift his level of performance that he didn't have a year ago, that final year in Atlanta, because of the pieces around you. And because of that offensive line, none of the other pieces around could ideally help enough in this case to look good enough to maintain Matt Ryan as a starter. And again, he's the quarterback. This is firmly on his shoulders. But this team was only going to go as far as this offensive line because it was so grassroots constructed by Ballard was going to take it, and it's failed miserably. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, Matt Ryan thought he was coming here going to have his low lightning because of Jonathan Taylor. Yes, Taylor, you know, missed some time with the ankle injury. But even when he's been out there, he hasn't done anything 
because the line can't protect up front, open up any holes for him, and then that forces Matt Ryan to throw the football, and the line can't block for him. Um, I, what have been your impressions about Quentin Nelson this season? I, I have not been overly impressed with him. Danico Autry has given him work. You know, he gave him work in two games. Yeah, well, here's, here's my impression, and, and there's no excuses given here because he's going to be, among those on that offensive line, held to an elite level standard, and he has not been elite level. You know, it's like, like what we view this offensive line in large part is production compared to what they're getting paid. So I come on here, I say this is the highest paid offensive line of the NFL. It just shouldn't look like that. He should look better. He hasn't. They should look better. They haven't. And, and not only have they not looked good, they've been among the worst in the NFL. And even though he's not playing as bad as others, we just expect more Consequently, he gets lumped right in there with everybody else and their shortcomings. Yeah, hey, could you imagine? Let's 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 take this week, this Sunday night, Sunday. Could you imagine had Carson Wentz been healthy, and he comes in, and the Commanders come into Indy, and and Wentz is playing the team that basically laid him on the curb like like a bag of trash to get picked up in the off season, and blamed so much on him. And, and, and face his former team with with the back the guy who backed him up last season. That would have been even more embarrassing. Do you think they would have made that change this week if Wentz was not injured and healthy? I sure hope they would though, because that would have been that would have been a, a, you talk about PR nightmare. That would have been a PR nightmare had Wentz came in and say he threw for three twenty five. I'll give him one interception, but two touchdowns, and the Commanders still beat the Colts. I just I, that crossed my mind earlier this week. Would they have made that change? Maybe they would have. And, and really, you know, they can go that back and say, have. yeah, regardless, they we would have made that change. But it does make you think if Wentz is coming in here and, and knowing what took place to get rid of him and how outspoken Jim Irsay has been about finding anybody, somebody else other than him, if he would be starting this game on Sunday, if they would have made that change this past Monday. Well, honestly, Jay, they probably would have just blamed it on. Uh, Matt Ryan, the, the, the shoulder injury. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously was, he wasn't was, going. He wasn't going to play. There's no doubt. And yeah. but but would they have started Foles instead of Ellinger? Yeah, man, that that is a great question, man. And now now the only now the only highlight of, of, of this weekend's game is I'm sorry, it's not Sam Ellinger, but I want to see if, if uh, Daniel Snyder and uh, Jim Mersey have anything to say. Can they? Are, are those sweets going to be by each other where? They got to, you know, be side-by-side <laughs> in, side in, in the urinal and stuff. Are they going to have any hey. awkward silence at the, at the urinal? Uh, is Snyder going to say something to Ursay? That, that's like the highlight of the game on Sunday. The uh, Commander fans love Jim Ursay. Love him because they want to see <laughs> Daniel Snyder gone. I was on with um, some dude's podcast early in the week that's a Commander's guy, and he said that, yeah, he could go to any bar if he wanted to in the uh, the Beltway there and not have to buy anything because the Commander fans loved how he outspoken he was and said what he said because they want they want a new era there of ownership, uh, much like clearly Jim Irsay is is looking for and probably uh, unspoken to this case the rest of the NFL would also like. Oh my yeah no you 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 you're, you're true on you're true on that. Hey, I know we're coming up on the time, but I, I, I got to ask you this question, bro. Um, I, know, I know the Pacers 
haven't had haven't had much success this year. But I gotta say that at least they've been more entertaining to watch so far. Last year, I couldn't stand watching that team play, and but I, I like watching the young pieces play. I, I think if they can get some things right, the, the future could be you know they can be you know in the mix for at least a mid part playoff uh, playoff spot in a couple of years. Do you watch uh do you watch my guy Miles Turner play the other night in Chicago? It it looked he looked like a dude that hadn't played in ten months. And what's funny is and I'm not I'm not saying this is this mess we've done. I hate adding on because I know you got you got a group of uh folks that like to mess with you. Ah, it's um, all good. Yeah, that's that's all yeah. good. He um I, listen. I've been outspoken about, hey, he's going to do this and do that. But it's not like I didn't expect. The dude hadn't played in 10 months. I will say this. He looked like he hadn't played in 10 years. <laughs> They're nice. Yeah. I mean, he did. Uh, he, looked, he looked stiff. And I'm, I'm not making light. He looked stiff, unathletic, immobile. I mean, it. yeah, it, that's how he looked. And again, that wasn't outside of my realm of expectation, yeah. but... It, it, he looked like a dude that hadn't played in 10 months, for real. Yeah, man, which, uh, uh, I mean, we, 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 all, we all can agree that his, his future is not in, in, in Indiana no, anymore. Not. And so, but you still, you still want to see him, uh, you know, try to play better so the Colts can get something. I mean, excuse me, the Pacers can get something in return for him when they do move on from him. Yeah, yeah. I, and I would agree with you on watching him. But you've seen situations like this in the past covering the NBA. They're going to get off to a bad start. They're going to get buried. And like every other NBA team in the regular season or really any time, they're going to come back. They're going to give you a moment of hope. And then as it was against Chicago the other night, Terry Taylor made a couple of boneheaded plays there. And uh, they, were, they, they had the ball down four on a break, threw it away, committed a bad foul. And then immediately you go back down 10 double digits. And then you fade away from that standpoint. A lot of their games are going to look exactly like that did earlier this week. Yeah. Hey, what would you do playing if you're trying to run out the clock and somebody comes and steals the ball from you and tries to get a bucket <laughs> at the end of the game? Are, are, you, are you coming in and doing it Green County way and laying them out for uh, not just letting the clock run out? Yeah, I mean, I understand everybody's suggesting that. Um, and th- this is more than an unwritten – I mean, everybody – abides by this except Lance Stevenson and clearly uh, Benedict Matherin who, who didn't want any of that. I didn't know if that was because it was a former teammate, a former Arizona guy that he was up against and uh, I didn't know what was happening there. I, listen, I don't like see it as egregiously for any team or any player as a lot of other people do, but Go, I mean, you might as well go ahead and go with the flow. I mean, it was over. I mean, they were done. You were done. Um, but it does make me laugh. It made me laugh when Lance Stevenson did it, too. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, <laughs> the, hey the, the, the highlight of the basketball weekend will be on the south side Sunday afternoon when I get to see my girl Laney and the yeah. girls play down at Franklin High School prior to uh, the Brownsburg girls in the uh, Sunday um, Sunday Hoops League, Travel League. Well, you'll have to wait. tell me how it – you have to tell me how it goes because I'm going to be doing Colts coverage 
I, I want to oh. thank what, what is that? What is that league? IMBD, whatever the hell that league is. Thanks a lot for that yeah. screw job of a time there for the cheese years. Yeah, we got Franklin and Shelbyville, I think, and I, I can't, I can't go. So oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, I can't go and cook the books and keep the book or anything like that. So Laney, you probably play better with my dumb ass at the Colts game, but. Man, I, um, hey, I girl, can't go. Layla's going to be upset. I was like, man, I was like, hey, JMB and, uh, and Grace and Laney, and she was all, she was all excited about it. I'm going to have to call her when we get done and let her know that uh, you won't be in the building. Uh, they're, you know, giving Laney only 2000 when she's picked up seven. The uh, schedule makers down there completely screwed me. I mean, just screwed me. And I, listen. Would they not know, would they not be listening and go, oh, wait a minute, JMV, he's got that late Colts game, so let's go ahead and schedule that to make sure he can go watch or maybe make sure he can go keep the book or keep the scoreboard because they need that. Not everybody, not everybody says, hey, I'll do it um, like I do. So they just, they screwed me with that time. Let's be real. You know, you can't wait to watch Sam Ellinger. Instead of watching your daughter, Laney, uh, play lockdown defense. I know how you roll, bro. Well, you know a lot of things that's dependent upon that with me and watching Laney. <laughs> uh, it will keep me from being an a-hole and commenting on it. I know that. So that's that's probably good for Laney and then everybody that's around her. So, uh, but it won't keep me from commenting on it right here. Hey, those people at Center Grove, they, they got to withstand me at some point because I'm going to swing that big stick. You know that when you're on here on Friday. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, this, hey, this, is, this, is, the first, this is the first weekend of, uh, of basketball, too. So they're going to listen to us every Friday talk about the Sunday games, man. So they might as well prepare down on the south side of Center Grove. Yep, here we come. Franklin High School coming up on Sunday. You'll have to give me updates on on uh, how it's going. And you know what kind of updates I'm looking for. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, hey, listen, bro. I, I, I got you, man. I, I, got, I got you. Let me make sure they ain't, they ain't playing a certain style of basketball down there in Center Grove, man. Yeah. Laney just says, please, Laney's happy that I'm not going. So I'm sure. And, and I don't say anything during, during the game, but I just, I point out, I do realize I point out stuff that her coaches won't. I point out stuff about her that she probably might doesn't understand right now. You know what I mean? And that's, that's probably a little bit under, and, and I don't like yell at her or anything like that, but I just, I point out stuff that I see that honestly, I know a lot of other people wouldn't because I, I feel that I know a hell of a lot more about basketball than a lot of other people do. So I, I see stuff, and I, it's only with her. It's only with her, and a lot of it has to do hustle-based, just stuff that I expect. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just some things I that mean, I expect. So. I mean, I mean, my girl Lainey's trying to eat cheese curds and chicken tenders and her custard at Culver's, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 dad and dad saying, "Hey, you gotta you gotta get on the ground. Get get that butt lower when you're defending out there." Oh, yeah. I say, I scream, <laughs> get in the stance. Not one girl knows what the hell I'm talking about. Not one. <laughs> get in the stance. Say, what? What kind of stance are you talking about here? <laughs> oh, oh, hey, I love I'm, them. I'm going to send you some videos. I'm going to send you some pictures <laughs> of uh, the former hotshot girls all together um, at, at Franklin High School, and I will gladly give you plenty of updates. Well, you do that and, and tell Tell our girl, uh, Layla, we love her. 
and uh, make uh, sure make sure you set a date so we can go down. We'll go down and uh, you know maybe watch um, watch IU. I love that the Grace Berger on IU's women's team. Love her. That's why I say, Lainey, I want you to play like this girl. That girl is so hard-ass the way she goes about it. I should say woman, but she goes at it hard-ass. I love that. I love that with her. Hey, put it, hey, put it on your calendar. December 1st, uh, North Carolina against IU women's, women's team. It's day after the, the men play uh, Carolina. Um, Layla and I are going down there. Uh, my girl, the Kramers, uh, the, the Ron Colley girl and her dad, we are going down there and checking out IU Women against Carolina on December 1st. So put it on the calendar. We're going to roll down there. You know, the other thing that I do is I uh, yell, get a deflection to Laney. She has no idea what I'm talking about. I sound like Tom Crean down there. Get a deflection. As long as your face is not looking like a tomato red, you're good to go. There, All right, buddy. Tell Layla I said hello. Enjoy the game tonight. Ben Davis in Brownsburg. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later on. It's uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, does not have to worry about coming up this weekend, college football, IU football, because the bye week is at hand. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is joining us. So what are we doing when it's a bye week for the Hoosiers? And by the way, it's probably a decent time to have a bye week for the Hoosiers. <laughs> well... Yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time, to be quite honest about it. Having lost five in a row, you want to kind of get over that a little bit and maybe get a few people healthy, which we had several that went out of the ball game against Rutgers last week. And without doubt, uh, this team needs a refresher at this point, uh, psychologically, mentally, all those kinds of things, as well as physically. So it couldn't have come at a better time, and hopefully – uh, whatever they've done this week uh, to get ready for the next uh, level of play, which you're about to face uh, with Penn State coming to town. And then, of course, Ohio State on the road, Michigan State on the road, and then, of course, the Purdue Boilermakers. You better be ready to play all of those ball games, and you better be able to play some of your best football. And right now, Indiana needs to find a way to get that done because that's a real struggle at this point. Yeah, that is quite the gauntlet right there. There's no doubt about that. Well, gauntlets are what they are, <laughs> and Indiana, Indiana knows about gauntlets because they've had several over the years, they have. at least. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, but but the reality of this whole thing is right now, uh, it has not looked good for the last several weeks, and it's it's not gotten better in any way, shape, or form. And when you have had games that you could have won, you didn't play well enough to do it, especially in the second half. Uh, whether that's being tired or whatever is involved. Uh, it's just been a struggle for this football team, especially offensively. And the defense hasn't played great either at this point in the season. Hey, Don, if you don't mind, I want a little change of pace. You mind talking a little hoop more so than football this week? Well, we, we do have a basketball game that's going to be yep. played tomorrow, an exhibition game against the Marion Knights. Uh, Scott Hetty, of course, is their head coach. Uh, has done a remarkable job with that program. Uh, five straight NAIA tournaments that they've made. Uh, I think they're ranked 14th in the country in the NAIA division. Um, they were 20, I think, 26 and six last year. Um, they lost four starters, and yet they come out and the first team that they played last night, St. Xavier. They just absolutely throttled in the second half. Played, they shot the ball tremendously well. 
And so Indiana will have a little bit of a challenge on their hands, and they better not take them lightly. Um, but, of course, an exhibition game is what it is, and, of course, the level of talent at the Division One level compared to NAIA, significant to say the least. So I would expect that Indiana will play pretty well. But it's going to be interesting to see Indiana play against somebody other than themselves. We've watched them in practice in that regard. Well, that it's always that. cool, too, for those uh, those Marion kids to get that, that chance in Assembly Hall. I always find that really cool. Absolutely. Uh, you like it for every team that comes to Assembly Hall because it's such a historical place. And I think uh, everybody that comes in there, uh, all the teams, especially the, the Kennesaw States and programs like that that get to come to Assembly Hall, you always hear them talking about the history of Indiana basketball and what a phenomenal place it is historically, but especially from the look of it. I mean, Assembly Hall is just a different-looking place, and it's very special in that regard as well. You know you know this, Don. Trace Jackson Davis is somebody that I, I do root for because I, 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 I've known him. I know his family. I like him a great deal. He's a fantastic kid, and, and I really want to see him to go out this season after coming back and go out with a bang and then go on to – to obviously his uh, his professional career wherever that might be but before we talk about him and this team and you know some of the very early season expectations I mentioned this to Mike Wells we both have girls that love playing basketball enjoy playing basketball especially with one another and uh, I, I love watching Grace Berger I, I've never really been that in tune with women's basketball uh, too much collegiately in the past but I've started watching recently because my, my daughter you know it likes basketball too sure I, Grace Berger's a badass. I mean, she is a <laughs> badass player on that basketball team. I mean, that nonstop motion does all those things that, you know, a lot, me especially. I sit there, I was talking earlier, I yell, get in the stance. I yell, you know, deflections like I'm Tom Crean Jr. or, you know, all these things, you know, make these, you know, hard cuts. And they don't know what I'm talking about. But all that fundamental stuff that I'm talking about here, that's what she does. I love that maybe the most. Well, she's considered to be an old school type player, and that's exactly what she is. She is she does all the fundamental things extremely well, uh, I, and and her, her ability to run the floor and to go like she does reminds me a lot of Steve Alford. If you remember how Steve was so yeah, uh, I mean that guy just never stopped running, trying He's to diligent, get yeah, open for shot. diligent, yes, exactly. I mean, just tremendous in that regard. And Grace kind of reminds me of that scenario as well. But she is a fundamentally sound basketball player, fun to watch, obviously does all the things. She's a coach's type player because she can literally, she can show you what, how to do it. I mean, it's that simple just by watching her. So, yeah, you're right. She's, she's terrific. And they're going to have a really good season again. Terry Moran's done a remarkable job with that program. And they've got two transfers in, uh, the Parish kid that, that uh, was a, Miss Basketball, of course, transfers from uh, Oregon back to Indiana. And then the girl from Minnesota that, uh, that yep. was the star of the Minnesota women's basketball team, and she transferred to IU as well. So you talk about a team that's loaded again. I think they're going to be very, very good. Well, you, you bring up Sydney Parrish, who is the uh, daughter of Sean Parrish, who played so well, if you go back to the early 90s, and specifically 1990, as a member of that Ball State team that made that run at UNLV. He played with, you know, Chandler Thompson and that group. His 
his daughter, you know, Sydney was Miss Basketball a couple of years back from Hamilton Southeastern, went out to Oregon. She is a fantastic player as well. So we kind of look at this IU men's program as, as loaded in a lot of spots here and cross your fingers and you hope, you know, that good things happen. And this women's program is equally as loaded at all the major positions. Exactly right. I mean, both programs this year are expected to be top 10, top 15 teams all season long. And I think that's exciting for Indiana basketball fans, number one. Uh, it probably puts a little pressure on both those programs in that respect as well. But that's what you wanted, Indiana. That's, that's what Indiana University basketball has always been about. And to have both programs in that same position, I think, is just special. Me. I'm right there with you on that. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Expectations, because as I mentioned, when you look at this IU basketball roster, they've got a lot of these, these gaps of what you really need filled, at least when you eyeball and look at the roster. And I know a lot of it's going to come down to shooting, but frankly, you don't know how a team's going to shoot, especially consistently until they play. But when you look at what they have on this roster, they, they filled a lot of needs from top to bottom, have they not? Oh, they have. There's no question. Uh, getting Jalen, uh, <laughs> to getting the, the Hood Shafino kid, Jalen Hood Shafino, uh, was, a, was a coup in itself. This kid's one of the best point guards in the country. He's 6'6". He looks the part. Uh, he is a very, he's not one of those guys that wows you with, with the things that he does. He just does everything right. And, and he's, I think he's as fundamentally sound, supposedly, as Grace Berger is. Uh, I think that's a big part of his game. He does. He makes the right decisions. He's not flamboyant in any way. But at the same time, you could tell when a kid's got the it factor. And just watching him in the practices that I've seen thus far, he's got the it factor. He's going to be very good. And playing him with Xavier Johnson, um, that's going to be an interesting combination because they're both point guards primarily, but one's going to have to sh have the shooter's role or be the shooting guard role, so to speak. But I think that combination, I think both of them are, are really embracing that scenario and looking forward to playing with one another. And then you've got the, the veterans on the front line and Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson and Miller Top. Um, and then you've got guys coming off the bench, this new kid, Malik Renew. I think he is going to be special. He's 6'8", already has a, a college basketball body at 230 pounds. Um, and what I've seen of him, he's got a tremendous inside touch. He's special, too. So you, you've got a lot going for you with this Indiana basketball team. And then there are other guys, of course, the Trey Galloways and Jordan Geronimo's and that, that ilk of the players that come off the bench. Uh, this team's got a lot of talent, and it's going to be fun to watch and see how Mike integrates all of this. Well, and Don Fisher joins us. I bring up a guy like Jordan Geronimo, who is it's so athletically gifted, big, strong, no doubt about that, and has a lot to work on, on, on his game. There's no question about that. How do you view him mixing in with this team? And I know they haven't played yet, and that's a tough, but you've seen practice and such. How, how do you feel he's going to fit in? What, what is he going to help out with that you think is an absolute with this team without question don i'm sorry i didn't i didn't pick up the name that you said i'm sorry uh, jordan geronimo what what, what is oh, his geronimo. like before we see him play what do you think the role that he is going to perform that you have no question that he is going to be there and be able to do that for this team this year 
Well, I, I think I think Jordan can be a special player. I think he's got the tools athletically to be really special. I know he's worked on his ball handling in the offseason. I think that's going to be critical. If he can handle the basketball and not turn it over, if he can shoot it a hair better than what he's shown thus far, and I think he's worked on that aspect as well, I think this is going to be a special year for Jordan. And I don't think he's probably going to get a starter's role right away. He could probably pop himself in there very quickly if things don't go exactly how he or how the team uh, would expect him to be. And I, I, I do think he can be a major factor in this ball club. I've always likened him, at least his body and his athleticism, to Draymond Green. And I thought yeah. all along, if he just finds his way, if he just embraces that role, he could be a really special player for this team and do a lot of really good things coming off the bench. Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson coming back for another year. Do you know, are, are, have they assumed, you think, heavily a, a leadership role, a guidance role on this team to start the season here? Oh, have you seen that at all? Oh, there's no question. I mean, Trace has had that role all the way through, and so has Race because he's been there for so long. So there's, there's little question in my mind that, that, there's, that, that, that those two guys – have got this team's ear. There's nobody that's challenging them in that way. Um, it's going to be interesting, no question about it. I can't wait to see how these guys perform um, together and with all the new faces that are going to be in there, too, because I think these other kids are really learning a lot from these guys. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm telling you, I mentioned this already. It just seems like that, that Mike Woodson and the staff put together this group um, to fill a lot of gaps. And it seems like, at least on paper, they have. What's the role of Trey Galloway this season, Don, in your estimation? Well, I think, again, you know, every time he came into a ball game last year, uh, <laughs> every time he came into a ball game, he gave that team a spark. Um, and I think he'll have the same role this year. I think the big question on Trey is how much he's improved his shooting ability because that's the only thing, in my opinion, that held him back last year from getting a lot more minutes. That and, of course, the injury problem that he continues to deal with. I don't think there's any doubt that Trey Galloway is a special player. I really believe that. And I think his role will be very similar to what we're going to see from a leadership standpoint. Because when a guy gives you a spark coming off the bench, that indicates that, number one, he is, he is respected by his, play, by his teammates. They know what he's capable of doing. And they really get excited when he comes into the game because he takes both ends of the floor just as seriously as one end of the floor, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think in, in, in Tamar Bates, too. We know he's not shy. We know he's going to put it up. But like a lot of this team, the questions all kind of start with, are they going to be able to knock down those perimeter shots? Because we've all seen a lot of basketball done over the years, but it, it, what we see in the NBA now uh, with the shot-making ability from distance, especially for three, we all know that basketball has a trickle-down effect, and, and certainly it does with this estimation as well. And that, that's at the top of the list of questions, things you have to see to believe just how good this team can ultimately be this year. Well, you're right, and, and it does boil down a lot. It does boil down to whether they can shoot the basketball from the three 
which opens up the floor. We know that they can do the pick and roll, especially got it got very good at the end of the year with Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis. We know that that's going to be a, a major factor, but being able to shoot the three gives you so much more to deal with uh, from a defensive standpoint for the opponent. And honestly, I think that will be if, if they can if they can find guys who can consistently knock down threes. And I'm not talking about quantity here. I'm talking about quality. You know, making those shots when yeah. they're needed, that kind of thing spreads defenses out a little bit. It opens up the inside game too. It just makes everything so much more cohesive and able to accomplish the kind of things that Mike Woodson wants to accomplish from an offensive standpoint, which we did not have last year without the three-point shooting. And there were guys that could make them on occasion, but they never did it consistently, consistently and that'll be the real key to this basketball team, in my opinion. That's kind of funny. You're right about knocking them down. Quality, not quantity. Uh, in, in terms of my daughter and those girls, I say get as many shots on goal as possible because you're probably going to shoot it at about 15%. So maybe, maybe one or two of those will go in. Just make sure you get as many up there as possible. <laughs> I don't think anything needs to do that in Indiana. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hell of an inspiration there on the sideline. I am. I'll bet you are. <laughs> they love me. They do. That's why I'm always having to buy stuff after the game. Like, I think after the game, I, oh, I got to buy all this. Here we go. So shots on shots on goals. What I'm, <laughs> what I'm about with this group. Um, curious, are you doing radio for this tomorrow night? Uh, tomorrow afternoon, yes. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm radio. sorry. Yes, tomorrow afternoon. Yep. On the air at 2 o'clock with a pregame. Of course, a tip is at 3 o'clock. So we've always done the exhibition games uh, at Indiana. And uh, despite the fact that – I don't get paid any more for doing those or not doing it. So, <laughs> so we do them. Hey, uh, hey Don, been there, done that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're, we're both, we're both kind of in this same business where we've been down that path before. So yeah. Exactly. I have no problem. I have no problem in doing games. That's because that's, that's what I got into this business to do. And I love doing it. Yeah. I'm right there. I'm right there with you too. And, I, uh, you got that. Now, do you have any crossover games, football to basketball, on the schedule coming up? Uh, you mean games that will conflict? Yes, right. I, I don't know that we have a single game that's going to conflict this year. I think maybe there might be one. I'm not 100% sure of that. I've looked at the schedule about a million times, and I forget every time I look at it what I was looking at. But we do have a game. We play Xavier on a Friday night in Cincinnati. And then we play Michigan State the next day in East Lansing. So that'll be a, a little bit of a bug because we have to find out what time the game is, first of all, because Big Ten doesn't release that information until like a week out these days. So uh, we may have a little bit of a problem there, but we'll make it. We'll, we'll be able to do both. Other than that, I don't think we really have any conflict. Before I let you go, Don, I, I, you know, obviously you're the guy that's been around this, this program since 1974. Um, is this as excited as your yeah, obviously guarded optimism? As excited you've been about an IU team here in recent history with this group? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, the Cody Zeller years were very, very exciting for me because it signaled that Indiana was getting back to where they used to be. If you remember how bad it was for the first few years that Tom Green was there, um, 
so those those years were probably as exciting as any I've experienced in recent memory. And I'm excited about this basketball team this year. But here's the thing, John. Incrementally, you've got to think about this. Indiana has, and I've said this to you before, Indiana hasn't finished higher than ninth place in the Big Ten in the last yeah. six years. And right now, I'm not going to sit there and try to have expectations of a Big Ten even though I know that this team is probably capable of doing that, they play up to their abilities. But but why would you worry about that now? You want to see, first of all, how they handle the preseason, the pre-conference games, um, and, and that kind of thing. And they're going to have a pretty testy schedule in that regard, coming up with four teams that can beat them. And you know what four they are. Xavier, yeah. Arizona, North Carolina, and Kansas. <laughs> Real tests to find out just where this team is at. And that doesn't mean that they, even if they lose one or two uh, or more of those ball games, it doesn't mean that's where they'll be at the end of the season. Because with a veteran group like this and the new faces, the faces that they have to add to it, it could be really exciting at the end of the year. But right now, you just want to temper everything just a hair. You know what I mean? What's funny about it, and I know this, and taking the pulse of a lot of IU fans, you know, they want, let's beef, beef up this schedule. Let's beef it up. And when you beef it up, you kind of got to be careful a little bit what you wish for here when you beef it up. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. You've so, got to. Well, we with, got, with, uh, I got family in the car with me right now, and they're going, you got a shout out Chatard, will you? Okay, we're going to Hamilton <laughs> Heights. We're on our way. They're all getting Shut- excited because I'm talking about him on the air. So, Bishop Chatard, <laughs> go all the way, boys and girls. Chatard <laughs> in the house. They have, they, they, listen, they always have optimism no matter what, right? So, well, anytime you get into a tournament, postseason tournament with Bishop Chatard, you got a chance. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Well, hey, the best of luck to Chatard. I know you've got a great deal of rooting interest coming up <laughs> later on tonight. 3 o'clock tomorrow is the tip. 2 o'clock is the pregame show for you guys tomorrow? Yep, 2 o'clock pregame, 3 o'clock tip time. There you go. It's uh, downstairs on 93 WIBC. That's Marion and Scott Hetty, who is, by the way, a fantastic coach. And IU in an exhibition game down in... Assembly Hall in Bloomington tomorrow afternoon. That tip time is at 3 o'clock. All right, go Shatard, Don. Have a great game. Enjoy that tonight. We'll be listening tomorrow. Thanks, John. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right there. Got a busy night on the sectional scene for the high school footballers around the state. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk is with us. All right. You're eyeballing what? Because you got some matchups here. You got Brownsburg, Ben Davis. The draw really didn't do the Berg many no. favors. No. Um, and like really at that level, it never really does. And then you get Carmel and Westfield. What are you leaning on tonight? Well, I think, the, you know, you start there. Those are uh, the obvious ones here locally. Uh, Cathedral Lawrence North, um, Center Grove, Franklin Central. Uh, but, I think, uh, you know, you, you have to start, too, with Hamilton Southeastern. They're ranked number one, and they're, they're hosting Homestead. Excuse me. They're, yeah, they're hosting Homestead from up in Fort Wayne. So you just start there with those games in, in 6A. Uh, I think the best game in the state, John, is Snyder at Dwinger up in Fort Wayne. Snyder's number one, Dwinger number nine. Uh, that's, a fan, that's a fantastic game. And so – you know, locally, some, there's some really interesting matchups. So you mentioned the ones in 6A. 
Um, you know, there are some good ones like 5A Franklin that is at Terre Haute South, Terre Haute South number 11, Franklin number 8. So get some love for my Cubs in there. And uh, I think New Pal Greenfield Central is a good one. And 4A, New Pal number 1, Franklin Central number 11. So all around, you know, semifinal Friday. You 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 got to win a game to get in and play for a championship. So I think everyone understands what the stakes are. To Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk. He's brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, run by Joe Childers. Every Friday, right here, it's CarX.com for the location nearest you. What did we learn from the regular season? And I know that we're a week deep into the postseason now, just not with everybody, but now that everybody in in all unison is active. What did we learn going back to the end of the regular season? I think the uh, first round last week is you learned that most of the higher-ranked higher, higher ranked teams managed to uh, managed to get through and, and move into the semifinals. There were two or three upsets, but that was basically it. And I think what you're seeing is that you know teams that have been consistent all year long have been consistent for a reason. That's why they're ranked as highly as they are. And so um, – Again, it's a hard championship to win, uh, but you, you have good weather, which is good. Uh, it's a situation where you can't control where you're going to play. So I think, um, you know, as you, I think everyone understands, each step you take gets a little bit harder. And um, this is a big night. I think this is a night where you're going to see some upsets. We didn't have a lot last week. I think you'll see some in terms of uh, lower-ranked uh, teams beating higher-ranked teams. And um, there, there are a bunch of great games, John. There really, really are. And, again, what a perfect night to go watch football. Hey, how much of an advantage is it, would you call it that, with, with Fishers and Hamilton Southeastern and Sectional 3 getting set up with schools coming down or going to, in the case of Fishers, Allen County? Well, it's the age-old question, John, about the schedule. You know what I mean? Do you play? Yeah. Do you win because you play a great schedule? Or, or what have you. I think that most people, the prevailing thought is that playing a great schedule, which HSE and uh, Fishers do, helps you. Uh, helps you when it comes time for tournament. Not to downplay the significance of how good football is in Fort Wayne. It's very, very competitive. But I'm not exactly sure that night in and night out that, that Homestead or other teams will play the types of schedules that HSE and Fishers do here in central Indiana. All right, sectional six, LN, Cathedral, big one tonight. Yeah, North Central has had obviously a disappointing year. And then LC always kind of seems like a bit of a wild card to me because they, they, they have a defining player and a lot of talent. So break down those two if you wouldn't mind. Well, big play player. I mean, you know, it, when you're looking at uh, LC, that's what they've been basically about this year. Is that they can they can be pretty explosive for you uh, in a number of different ways, and uh, and I think that that's something that when you're looking at tournament time, you you know, big plays are, are if you can get big plays, it's a big big situation for you. You can control a lot of your own destiny if you're able to get those kinds of those kinds of teams. Cathedral. Listen, Cathedral. If you go back, go back to the first uh, first week we started talking, John. My good friend Paul Condry from the uh, Indiana Football Digest said before the season started, he thought the Cathedral may be the best team in 6A, and um, they're they're poised to, to make a deep run. So, um, great, great things to look at tonight. 
big play players, key players, playmakers, those kinds of things. At the end of the night, when the when the show's over tonight, we, we will have talked about those kinds of things. You know, not making mistakes, and uh, whoever is able to get those big play, those playmakers involved and get them going, have a great chance to win. So Bob Lovell on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline in sectional 14. Bob, not at all to dismiss the greatness that is Vigo County, but it seems like Franklin, Terre Haute South, Terre Haute North, and Whiteland. That is kind of moving down the track to a Johnson County clash that we're all going to see coming up next week, right? I, no, listen, I think you're right. I think if you, you look at, uh, and again, no offense to the Vigo County schools, they've played very, very well, but uh, Whiteland uh, has been ranked at or near the top of uh, 5A all year long uh, for a reason. Uh, they're a really, really good football team. Uh, you know, I, I'm partial, obviously, to Plainfield. Uh, but Mooresville has a, a matchup tonight with Burbuff. But, again, we've talked about how good the Mid-State Conference is. So you're talking about, yeah, that sectional, but that's a sectional populated with a lot of schools from the Mid-State Conference, which has had a resurgence this year and, and is one of the more competitive section, uh, conferences in the state. So, uh, again, Vigo County. It, very good, but I'm not sure night in and night out they're playing the types of schedule that those mid-state conference schools are. Hey, talk about collision courses here. Um, Mooresville, Brebuff, Addicts, Roncalli, Sectional 21. going to be an interesting night, and we'll see how that sets up for next week in that final. I think the Mooresville-Brebuff game is great, John. It is a tremendous game. Mooresville, number 8 and 4A. The Braves are number 10. Um, BJPS has had a great run, uh, play a difficult schedule. He goes back to that schedule situation there. And, uh, you know, the Patterson kid from Mooresville is talented. And so um, one, of those, one of those toss-up type games. I mean, it really, really is. We make an argument that New Pal could beat absolutely anybody. I mean, anybody regardless of class. You think this season, are they stacked? Because obviously they're kind of stirring the echoes, if you will. The echoes weren't that long ago. But um, yeah, it, seemed, it seems like the, that's a team. The way especially 6A sets up, that seems like a team with, with the offensive line play that it has that could compete at a high level against anybody across the oh, state. I agree with you. I, I think that they uh, you know, are the odds-on favorite, I think, in 4A uh, without question. And I think that you know, you look clearly in 5A, I think they would be competitive with a great number of schools we've talked about, uh, and I think they'd beat a, a number of the 6A schools. But I think right now, I mean, if you're Greenfield Central, you've had a great year. You're ranked number 11, but your reward is to play New Pal uh, tonight uh, on the road. So it, it's, a, it's a tough situation. Uh, but we talked about how good Kyle Ralph is as a coach and how good those teams have been. And this is another one of those types of new pal teams. Maybe not as explosive when they had Charlie Spiegel and others, but as you pointed out, uh, their, their line play on both sides is really, really strong. All right. What else are we talking about? What have we left off the board that you're going to be eyeballing tonight, Bob? Well, I mean, we didn't talk about Lutheran. They're really, really good, John. They're number one, playing Cloverdale. Uh, you got up in the northern part of the state, you have the battle for Adams County. Adams Central is number one, playing number 10, Adam, or South Adams, in, in a tremendous game. And so uh, you, you just look all around. Down in your part of the state, Linton Stockton has beaten everybody. 
badly, and they're they're ranked number one in two A, and I'm not sure who beats them. Uh, I mean, really, really good good football team, and so you know what? Lots of good games, really a lot of games. Hard to believe that we're into the semifinal rounds of the sectional, and we're going to have champions next Friday. Crazy. We'll be locked in. Tonight, tomorrow night, especially tonight with you running down everything that's going on. This is, um, this is one of the great ones. I mean, there are a lot of great ones in, in terms of, you know, the, the high school sports calendar. But I think sectional semifinal Friday night's right up there. Is it not? No, I agree with you. I think it's semifinal Friday and uh, sectional semis in, in football and basketball. Those are, those are two pretty special nights, John. They, re- they really are. I mean, it's, it's obvious. You've got... You know, good teams, lots of games, um, and, and clearly a lot of drama without question. Be listening later on today and tomorrow night, Bob. I appreciate you, Bob Lovell. Each and every Friday is brought to you by our 14 Joe Childers Run, Central Indiana, CarX locations. CarX.com for that location nearest you. You are the best, my good friend. <laughs> Thanks, John. Have a great night. You got a Bob Lovell. He's got a full plate for you coming up tonight and tomorrow night as well.